Hey Plum Creek, my name is Megan Miller. On this weekend dedicated to honoring our moms, I wanted to introduce you guys to a woman who's very special to my heart. Along with my dad, she helped plant this church 13 years ago. And along the journey, she's been an incredible role model of what a God-honoring wife and mother should be. Raising my three older brothers and I certainly hasn't been easy, but her unconditional love has never wavered. She's fun, kind, honest, she's a prayer warrior, and she's a kind of woman I truly aspire to be like. I'm so lucky and so blessed to call her my mom. So Plum Creek, will you guys please help me welcome my mom and best friend, <laughs> Beth Miller. <laughs> Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. What a great weekend to celebrate our moms. And I just quickly have to say, hi, Mom. I know you're watching online, and I love you so much. Thank you for always being there for me. You are an incredible mom. I also want to say Happy Mother's Day to my mother-in-law. Thanks for loving me as your daughter, and I am truly blessed to have you in my life. I love you. Well, as you know, I am a mom of four beautiful children. Joshua is 23, Luke is 22, Zach is 21, and Megan is 18. I love you guys so much, and I'm honored to be your mom. Well, I also know that Mother's Day can be hard for a lot of people. Maybe you've lost your mom. Maybe you've always had a desperate desire to be a mom, and it just hasn't happened yet. But I just want to say thank you for being here today. This message isn't just for moms. As a matter of fact, as I was praying about what the topic should be for this weekend, the word fear kept coming up to my mind. And at first, I thought it was because of my fear of public speaking, but God touched my heart and he was sharing with me that it's so much bigger than that. Control, worry, fear, anxiety, these words seem to describe much of how we live our lives today. And in light of the shooting that happened at the STEM school, it makes sense as to why. But God wants us to know that in his strength and in his love, it is possible to overcome our fears and to live a life of peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just, we love you so much, Lord. We thank you for a day to celebrate moms. And God, we ask for your blessings to be poured out upon every mom that's here and that's watching online, Lord. But we also come to you this morning with heavy hearts. God, the senseless shootings that happened at the STEM school. Father God, it can be overwhelming. Lord, we ask that your presence would be known God, I pray that everyone that has been impacted by this would turn to you, Father God, and that you would be their comfort and their strength. God, we pray for those that are still healing in the hospital. Would you touch their bodies, God? Would you heal them? Lord, we especially lift up Kendrick's family to you. Lord, surround them with your love. Fill them with your peace as they learn to navigate what life is going to be like without their son. And then, Lord, we also pray for today. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would move in this place, that you would touch our hearts, help us to hear the truth, and God, help us to apply it to our lives. Be glorified and magnified, God, in all that is said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, I have to say that this topic is very real in my life. I've had to actually face my two greatest fears. In October of 1995, Doug and I had been married about three and a half years, and we had just had our first son, Josh. He was just a newborn baby. Actually, he was one month old when Doug and I got the news that he had cancer. As you can imagine, being a new mom and newly married, the fear just overwhelmed me. And then in January 2018, when the doctor told us, I'm going to do everything I can to save your son's life. Once again, overwhelming fear. My world was spinning out of control. But it's not just about these greatest fears that we might have. It's about our everyday fears, our everyday anxieties that stop us from really living our lives for God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Do you realize that fear, anxiety, and worry are mentioned over 365 times in Scripture? Do you think God knew what we were going to be struggling with in this life? I think so. Probably one verse that we could remind ourselves for every day of the year, right? We should probably be reading one. Do not worry. Do not have anxiety. But God speaks to this topic so much because he knows that this is what we're going to struggle with. We're living in a fallen world, and fear is one of the greatest tools of our enemy to stop us from experiencing God's peace and from living our lives for him. So let's be real. Let's talk about some of our fears. We all have them. It's not just moms, dads, grandparents, Couples without kids, singles, children, kids, everyone has fears. So what are your biggest fears? Is it the fear of dying? Losing a loved one, a child, or a spouse? Is it a fear of failure? Losing your job, divorce, sickness? The list could go on and on. Many of you are currently living through some of your greatest fears. If you're taking notes today and you want to write down, my main thought is fear can't control my life when I live in God's perfect love. Fear cannot live or control my life when I live in God's perfect love. So practically speaking, how do we do this? How do we move from living a life of fear to living a life in God's perfect love? Number one is to know my God personally and who I am in him. It's awfully hard to trust God if we don't know him. Now there's a difference between knowing him, believing in him, and actually having a personal relationship with him. We can know about him, just like my daughter knows every detail of the Kardashians' lives. And, we can, <laughs> and my sons know everything. They could tell you every detail about LeBron James. But that doesn't mean that they know him personally. 
even if they follow him on Instagram. It's not a personal relationship. So just knowing about God isn't enough. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. You see, just knowing about God isn't enough. It's also not enough just to believe in him. James 2.19 says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. He's saying, how foolish are we if we believe in him, but we never take the steps to make him our personal savior and to live our lives for God. You see, just believing in God isn't enough. So what are the things that we need to do to get to know him personally? I would say first, read God's word. That's his love letter to us. Through reading and studying it, we learn about God's character, his power, his love, his faithfulness, his holiness, his trustworthiness. We learn about his plan for our lives. We learn his truth. That is so important. His word is alive and powerful. It will literally change you just by reading it. There is no other book like it. You can also, if, if you're not much of a reader or you don't feel like you have the time in reading, put it, get an audio book. You could listen to it in your car on the way to work. Someone else could be reading you scripture or even while you're making dinner. It's important to know what the Bible says. That's how we get to know our God. The verse of the day that pops up on your phone, I love it. It's the first thing I read every morning when I wake up and hit the button on my phone. But that's just not enough. If you have never read through the Bible in a year, or not even in a year, how about if you've just never read through the Bible? I would just encourage you to make that a goal. Um, see if you can find all 365 verses on fear and anxiety, and then memorize a few. That would help. It's also helpful to read books about God, or listen to podcasts about God, or download audiobooks about God. I have a couple that are going to show up on the screen that are my favorite devotionals. And if you are looking for a good devotional, take a picture of the screen and, and get these books. The first one is uh, Sarah Young's book, Jesus Calling. This book really did change my life because it speaks to you like, it's like Jesus is speaking directly to you. And they use all of its scripture that Jesus speaks in God's word, but it's so powerful because it becomes so personal. And what it did for me is it helped me to bring Jesus with me throughout my whole day. I would think about him. I would talk to him. I would pray with him all day long. The other book that I use every morning is called New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. Um, a friend of mine from Plum Creek gave me that devotional at just the right time when we were in the hospital with Josh. And it has helped me to grow in my walk with God. And it helps me just to dig deeper into God's word. Now, if you need some motivation and some accountability to be consistent in God's word, 
A great way to do this is to ask a family member or a friend to set a goal with you. For example, Megan and I were talking and I had told her how, that I had read through the Bible and she's like, I wanna read through the whole Bible. I said, great, well, let's do it together. So she went away to college and I was at home, but every morning we would text each other, say, how far did you read today? This is where I read. And it's so great, it's just, I'm trying to keep up with her, you know, it's great. It keeps you in God's word. And then we'd get on the phone and we'd talk and we'd be able to just discuss, what are you learning? What do you, what do you like? What are, where are you in, in, with God? So in order to know him more intimately, and to know who we are in him, we also need to spend time praying. Prayer is just talking to God, right? But our, but our prayer times progress as our relationship with God progresses. Eventually, it's more than just talking to God. You find yourself crying out to him, sharing your heart with him like you would a best friend. I remember the first time I experienced this. I think my kids were in high school, but I just laid flat on the floor in my living room because I was desperate for him. I was struggling, there was a lot of unknowns, I had fears, so many things going on in my life. Nobody else was home and I just took this time to be with him. I cried and I just wanted to know him more. I wanted to know that he was there for me and that he was gonna help me. And his presence came in in such a powerful way. It was overwhelming actually. I didn't want that time to stop. And it, and it reminded me of what King David said in the Psalms when he said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I understood it at that point. I was like, yes, better is one day in your presence, one hour in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. Now I know it's not all about a feeling, but I want you to hear me. His presence is very, very real. And what that did for me is it gave me this hunger and this thirst to know him even more. Like I couldn't wait till I was home alone again and I could just have that hour or more to be with him. Now that was, it doesn't have to be an hour, I'm not saying that, but it's important that we do have focused time alone with God. Now mine was on the living room floor, but. You could do this on your way to work. You could turn your radio off. You could just spend time talking to God. Or you could do it when you're walking your dog. It doesn't matter where you do it. What matters is just that you're spending time with him. See, your relationship with him moves from just being utterly grateful for what Jesus has done for you to a place of knowing him more and, then he, and the plans that he has for your life. The whole time you're growing in this relationship with him and falling more and more in love with him, he begins to change us from the inside out and we begin to know who we are in Jesus Christ. So just knowing about him isn't enough. Just believing in him isn't enough. We have to know him personally and we need to know who we are in him. Let me just share with you how this has played out in my life. I didn't make a decision to accept Jesus as my savior until it was the summer before I went away to college. I wasn't raised in church, I knew nothing about the Bible, but I heard the gospel message and I knew I needed saving. I knew I was a sinner. And I, at that point when I accepted him as my Lord, I was overwhelmed with gratefulness for him. So I went away to college 
and I continued to live the lifestyle that I had always known, which was just partying and life. I had no idea that my life was going to change. I knew that I was saved, but I didn't know my life would change. And, the whole, and at, even at school, I, didn't, I never went to church. I didn't have anybody telling me that my lifestyle was wrong, but the Holy Spirit started changing me from the inside out to where one day I woke up and I just said, I have no purpose. What am I, I have no purpose in my life. And so I transferred to a Christian school, Trinity College, and that's when my whole walk with God turned around. I couldn't get enough of him. I was reading God's word. I was learning about him in my classes. I was falling in love with him. But at one point, I, I, um, I realized that I was still living with guilt and shame. Is anybody there? Are you still living in guilt and shame? That's where I was. And I walked right to the counseling center, and I said, I need help at the school there. I said, I know God's forgiven me. I know he loves me, but I can't forgive myself. So this counselor was amazing. He walked me through this booklet called Your Steps to Freedom in Christ. And it, we prayed through different scenarios, different things where maybe I had given the enemy a foothold in my life or generational issues that get passed down from family to family. And when I was finished with all of that, I literally was a new person. It is so amazing, and I know you guys know what I'm talking about. I was a new creature. I knew who I was in Jesus Christ. I was no longer living in guilt and shame. I had freedom, so much freedom. I, it was, it's incredible. When we know who we are in Jesus Christ, it changes us. We have a new identity in him. And it just, you know what, when that happens, it doesn't matter so much what the world thinks of you anymore. Because what matters to you is that you're living for him. That you're pleasing him with your life. When we know who he is, and because we have an intimate relationship with him, we know who we are in Jesus Christ. And fear at that point loses its grip on us because we know the truth that I am a child of God. If God is for me, who can be against me? This new, intimate, life-changing relationship with him does not happen overnight. It's a journey. We're all on this journey. And as we fall more and more in love with him, we want to please him with our lives. This leads us right into the second step of moving from living a life of fear to living in God's perfect love. We need to keep him first in our lives. This is why we have the constant reminders. You guys know GFO, God is first. He should be first in our lives. My life's verse has become Matthew 6:33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Doesn't that seem easy? It seems so simple, but it's not. It's a lot easier to say than it is to live out. What does it mean to seek the kingdom of God above all else? It means to make your relationship with him your number one priority. To do this, we need to make a conscious decision to spend time with him every day. That's how we create a habit. Do you know where your Bible is at home right now? Can you think about where it might be? Maybe if you put it on your kitchen counter and left it open, 
That would be a great reminder. Or how about you set an alarm on your phone and actually schedule a time with him every day? We all think we're too busy and that we can't find time for God. <clears throat> but if we have time to work out in our day, we have time for God. If we have time to watch our favorite TV series on Netflix or a sporting event, we've got time for God. If we're sleeping or staying up late, we've got time for him. It just really comes down to our priorities. And it's a commitment that you make. And sometimes you sacrifice other things to be with him. But I tell you what, it's so worth it. It's not easy to keep him first, especially in different seasons of life, right? But thank goodness for his grace. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. He just wants our hearts. Different seasons of life can be easier or harder. Well, I'm going to talk to moms right now. So I remember when Josh was two, Luke was one, and Zach was a newborn baby. It was busy. <laughs> but um, I got them down for a nap at the same time. <laughs> a miracle, right? That moms, you know, that's a miracle if they're all sleeping. I became a mad woman. I was running around my house, literally throwing dishes in the dishwasher, trying to get food for dinner ready, running and doing laundry. I was running like a mad woman. I ran to the bathroom and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm alone. And then I stood up and looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe I should comb my hair or put some makeup on. This isn't looking good. But then I ran right back to the kitchen to finish the dishes. It's crazy. But then guess what? God spoke to my heart. I'll never forget it. He said, Beth, the best thing that you can do right now for your family is to sit down and spend time with me. But, but God, I, I mean, I got all these things I have to do. Mm -mm. If you want to be the best mom you can be, if you want to be the best wife you can be, you need to spend time with me and everything else will fall into place. That's true for all of us, right? We find ourselves so busy in this life. We need to make them a priority. It would be because then everything else falls into place. Our heart's desire should be to keep him first daily. And that's the hardest part about this relationship, right? It's daily. If I could say once, I could surrender to him once and be done, I would do it. It would be easy. But that wouldn't be a relationship, right? So how do we move from living a life of fear to living in God's perfect love. Number one, know my God personally and who I am in him. Number two, keep him first in my life. And number three, take my thoughts captive. Satan is the father of all lies and he loves to put thoughts in our heads that aren't true to make us anxious and fearful. He knows where we're weak. He knows where we're vulnerable. So he preys on our minds to get us to dwell on negative thoughts and steal our joy and our freedom. And if we're not careful, we actually start to believe these lies. Like, I'm not good enough. I can't be forgiven. No one will ever love me. I'm a failure. And sometimes we live these out as if they were truth. 
He also builds up fears in our minds with the what ifs. What if my marriage fails? What if my child gets sick? What if I lose my job? Or he keeps us stuck in our past with our regrets. If only, if only I would have done this or that differently. It always starts right here in our minds. But thank goodness that God's word helps us to know what to do with this when it happens. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, take captive every thought. Romans 12.2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If we dwell on the negative instead of the positive, we're giving in to our enemy. So I shared earlier with you about Doug having cancer. Um, this was just a few years, uh, he's fine now, everybody knows that, he's good. Um, but a few years ago, this is exactly what Satan did to me. He, I was getting ready for the day, I was in the bathroom, putting my makeup on, and all of a sudden the thought comes in, what if Doug's cancer comes back? What if it doesn't go as well as it did the last time? What if Doug dies? He knows that's my biggest fear, right? I started playing this out in my mind, so much so, that I found myself bawling in my bathroom, crying, my makeup is running, my heart is aching, and I'm a literal mess. But guess what, that wasn't reality at all. Doug was in the kitchen eating a sandwich. How does that happen? How do we take a thought like that and, and dwell and play it out to where we're emotionally a mess? And it doesn't go away right away. You still walk out there, I'm like, oh, you are alive. You know, he's, it's crazy. Does anybody else, does that happen to anyone? Or am I the only crazy one? Okay, good. Satan knows exactly where to come after us, and we have got to learn to take our thoughts captive. We need to have a game plan for this one, right? Because if you're like me, the more you try to get that thought out of your mind, it just keeps coming back. Don't think about that, don't think about that, don't, you know, and you're always thinking about it. So we need to have a game plan. When we, the first step is just to figure out that I'm dwelling on a negative thought. Sometimes it can be five, 10 minutes and I'm finally like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm dwelling on something that's so bad. So we have to at first acknowledge it, make sure we know what we're doing, take it captive. The next thing we need to do is memorize scripture. So just recite what you have memorized from God's word, or sing a song, a praise song, anything to take your mind from the negative thought to the positive thought, that's renewing your mind. Take your mind to the truth of God's word. And then the last step would just be to pray for someone's salvation. I tell you what, the last thing that our enemy ever wants us to do is to pray, especially for salvation for someone. So it's important that we have this game plan and we have, it, we have it solid in our heads so we know what to do when the enemy keeps feeding us lies. When we do this, the result is Isaiah 26.3, which says, you, meaning God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, 
all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So much of how we live and the choices that we make are determined by our thoughts. So again, how do we move from a life of fear to living in God's perfect love? Keep an eternal perspective. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's important we remember that this life is not the end. We're just passing through, actually, to a place where we will spend eternity. Our time on earth is temporary and it's short. Now, this shouldn't cause you a bunch of fear. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to tell you is that if we realize that this life is short, it helps us to live with eternity in mind. It helps us to make the things that are really important for eternity important for today. It's also very important that we understand that there's a spiritual battle going on for all of our souls on this earth. It's unseen, but it is very real. There's a God and there is Satan. There's God and there is Satan. There is good and there is evil. Scriptures tell us in Jeremiah 29, 11, what God's plans are for us on this earth. They're for good and not disaster, to give us a future and a hope. He wants us to live a rich and satisfying life, living in peace and joy and love. And scripture also tells us, though, that Satan has a plan for our lives. In John 10.10, Jesus says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, which we saw evidence of this last week. Satan wants to ruin our lives he wants to feed us lies, and he wants us to live in fear and anxiety and worry. So we can see that both God and Satan have plans for our lives while we're here on earth. We're either living for one or for the other, depending on the choices that we make. And those choices, please hear me, those choices will determine where and with whom we will spend eternity. Are we getting caught up in this world? with the things we can see and feel and touch? And are we believing the enemy's lies and building our lives on unstable, worldly things? Or are we listening to God's truth and, his, and building our lives on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ? Keeping an eternal perspective impacts how we live today. So, Fear can't control my life when I live in God's perfect love. This week, we need to remember this. We need to, all of us, to move from a life of fear to living in God's perfect love. Know your God personally and who you are in Him. Keep Him first in your life. Take your thoughts captive and keep an eternal perspective. I knew this was what God's plan was for this weekend because life is full of so many uncertainties. There's always going to be things that come up that make us fearful. They can be big things or little things, but God's peace is perfect and his love is very real. I mentioned as well that last January, Josh um, almost died. So as he was in the emergency surgery, I'm in the waiting room. And like I said, fear 
was overwhelming me. Fear was controlling me. My life was literally spinning out of control. And God spoke to me. And he said, do you trust me? At that moment, my world stopped and I finally looked up. And he said it again, he said, do you trust me? And I said, yes, I trust you. I know who you are and you are perfect in all of your ways and you're good and you can't be anything you're not. I trust you. And even if you take my son from me today or you let me keep him, I trust you because I know you love Josh more than I ever could. And I know and I believe that you have the perfect plan for his life. If it's better for him to be in heaven with you now, then I trust you. I knew I would see Josh again. This life is not the end. I was passionate about who my God was. I knew I could trust him. And at that moment, literally, the fear that was consuming me completely left, and I was overwhelmed by God's peace. A peace that you can't understand when your son is about, could live or die any minute. It's a peace that only God can give us and it doesn't make sense. God is so faithful. We need to know him. We need to trust him. I don't know where you are today with this. I don't know what your greatest fears are. I don't know what you're currently going through or what's causing your fear. What I do know is that God has a plan and his plan is perfect. It's for his love, his perfect love, to fill our hearts when fear comes in. Can we please pray? Father God, you are holy, you are righteous, you are perfect. We love you, Jesus. I thank you for the truth of your word. God, I thank you that we can stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ that that's what we can build our lives upon. Heavenly Father, I'm sure there might be people here today and even watching online that don't know you personally. Maybe they know about you, maybe they believe in you, but they've never taken those steps to accept you as their Savior and Lord. If that is you today, would you just please pray with me right now? And you, if you want to accept him as your Savior, just say, Father God, I realize what you did for me when you sent Jesus to die on the cross. Please forgive me for my sins. Thank you that you raised him from the dead so that I can have a relationship with you, that I can have hope of eternity with you forever. Lord, help me to know who I am in you. Grow me in this relationship with you, God, to where I truly fall in love with you. Give me a confidence that I can trust you when fear comes into my life. And for the rest of us, God, I pray. I pray against the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm tired of living in fear, worry, anxiety, controlling everything and everyone around me. 
God, I pray that your spirit would move in this place. Father God, that the truth of your word be so real to us today and that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would give us the strength to live it out. Lord, we love you. We surrender our lives to you. Help us to fall in love with you more so we can experience your peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. If you guys don't mind, we're going to stand and we're going to cry out. We're going to worship with this song. And let's do it with all of our hearts. Let's let the devil know that we're not sitting back. We are changing our lives today. In Jesus' name. <laughs>